Well, what is up, Oasis? How you guys doing? All right, good. You're bringing the energy. Sweet. I am so excited to be with you guys tonight. As Brennan said, my name is Jaina Gormong, and technically, I am the student ministry pastor here at Grace Point. So I work with our students grades 6 through 12 each and every single week. They are awesome. We just had a lock-in this last Friday night where we stayed up all night. It was crazy. It was wild. If you like that middle school, high school age, come talk to me. I'd love to get you connected to serve. But I also get the privilege of being the Oasis worship pastor and getting to be here every single week and worship with you is one of the greatest joys of my life. It is so filling for my soul. So thank you for letting me be a part of this. And I know you guys get to see me every week, but you don't know a ton about me. So I thought I'd share some facts about myself. I grew up in Indiana. That's where I lived all my life until five years ago until I moved here to Brookings to work at the church. And I feel very strongly that those states are in fact part of the Midwest. You can disagree, I got some booze already, we're off to a good start. We can argue about how we should actually label like the middle part of the United States, that's fine. But for now, they are part of the Midwest. Uh, If you listen to our podcast, you know that I am an adamant fan that egg salad is delicious. I say that over and over again. As much as Brennan and Dylan wanna tell me otherwise and cut me down for it, I will stand behind it. Egg salad is good. Uh, Lastly, I'm a big fan of dogs. Where are my dog people at? All right, yes, yes. If I go to your house and you have a dog, I promise you all that's happening up here the whole time I'm there is how can I love and pet this dog the whole time I am there. And I have two dogs of my own. We've got some pictures. I've got Max and Lucy. Max is my two and a half year old beagle. He is a giant cuddle baby. He always tries to be as close as he can to you, even if that's his face right here. It's the best. And then Lucy just turned five, and she's a long-haired dachshund, and she's sassy and spunky, and she thinks she's in charge of everything. I have to remind her she's not. And I, I don't think I'm a crazy dog owner. Like, I'm not buying us matching outfits or anything, but I do love them a lot, and I would probably die for them. So that's a little bit about me as we get into this night. I hope that it gives you an idea of who is up here in front of you tonight. But like Brennan said, tonight we finish our XOXO series. And in this series, we've been looking at what does it look like to be in relationship with other people, to love others, um, and then to honor God in the midst of loving in those relationships. And so in the first week, we looked at loving your significant other. In the second week, we looked at what does it look like to be a loving friend. In the third week, Ben helped us to begin to think about how do we love our families in a new season as college students and young adults. And then last week, we looked at what does it look like to love those that you're rooting against, right? Was this Super Bowl last week? Just kidding. We didn't meet here like normal, but we did watch the Super Bowl. I'm just joking. But tonight we're looking at what does it mean to honor God as we love ourselves? We live in a culture right now that is big on self-love. There are thousands of books on it. There are new hashtags every other week on social media. There are entire movements focused on acceptance and body positivity and treat yourself and self-love and all of these things. And while none of those are inherently bad, and actually many of them have been really good for our culture, we still live in a society with some of the highest mental health issues in all of history. Why is it that a culture that is so big on loving ourselves and caring for ourselves still experiences incredible mental health issues? I think that part of the reason is that we have so far removed our worth, our value, self-love from its original source, from God. God has always been the one who gives value and worth because he is the creator. 
At the same time that our culture has been moving towards self-love, love yourself, there has been a counter movement in some Christian subcultures to do the opposite to deny yourself. They'll take um, Matthew 16, 24. Maybe you've seen this on Instagram or TikToks, this passage that says to deny yourself and take up your cross, which is wonderful and an amazing thing to do. But there are people who will take this out of context and take it to the, the extreme. And there's a counter movement that's saying, don't, don't practice self-development. Don't worry about that. Personality tests are of the devil. I have literally heard that sentence, that sentence before saying you don't need to make a list of the good things about yourself to remember what's nice and lovely about you. No, deny yourself. They've taken it to the extreme. And I don't believe for a second that God wants us to land in either one of these camps of the self-love spectrum. He doesn't want us to be a self-centered people who lack humility, who are prideful, who make ourselves the idol, because that is a secular culture's view of self-love that is actually only surface level of understanding what it looks like to love ourselves, because it's detached from God. But we also don't want to fall in the camp where we lack self-awareness, where we care more about what other people think of us, or we lack self-awareness and we dissociate from who we are as human beings because God didn't create us that way. He created us as a person with a body, with a self. And so God wants us to find a balance between these two, a love, a self-love for ourselves that honors him and benefits ourselves and those around us. So self-love is not a manifesting of our best selves. It's not a putting our worth or our value in the opinions of others or into cultural standards. It's not a daily simple self-affirmation statements that we have pasted around our mirrors, but real true self-love where our value, our worth, and our identity comes from God and his word is what God desires for us as his people, as Christians. So the idea of self-love, what does that actually mean? In light of scripture, how do we do this? Why is it so important that we're spending a whole night talking about this one topic? That's what we're diving into. Those are the questions that we try to answer tonight. But before we get into scripture, let me pray for us as we dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here in this place with us, that your spirit dwells, that even as we have sung and saying you are already here and, and you are already moving that you are bringing healing, you are speaking truth, you are transforming and making us new. And so I pray as we dive into your word tonight, as we wrestle with what it looks like to love ourselves in the way that you desire, would you allow us to give you honor and glory in the midst of that? Speak to each one of us, meet us where our hearts sit tonight, that we walk out of this place different because we've had an encounter with you that changes who we are. It's in your name that we pray, amen. So tonight we're going to be in Matthew, and we're going to drop in in an instance where Jesus is at the temple, and he's meeting with people, and there are religious leaders present, and he's teaching them, and he's using lots of parables to try to teach them concept, concepts, excuse me. but the, the religious leaders get to this place where they're asking him intentional questions because they want to catch him speaking heresy. They want to discredit him so that they can arrest Jesus because Jesus is doing something that's kind of speaking out against their life. As the religious leaders, they have built their culture, their society around themselves. They are the power, they are the voice that speaks for God amongst these people and many of them had lost sight of what that really looks like to honor God. 
And so Jesus comes in and he's disrupting the flow of what their life looks like and their way of life. And he's teaching a message that's contrary. And we know that they want to discredit him and arrest him and eventually kill him. And so as they're in the temple, these religious leaders ask Jesus uh, a question. They say, what is the most important commandment in the law? And to answer this question by ranking any of the laws was an immediate offense and would immediately discredit whoever answered it. Because the laws were intended to remain of equal importance. And so to rank any of them as most important was a big, like, you don't do that. And so they're asking him this question to try to entrap him to say something that they can use against him. But Jesus, of course, being God, has the perfect answer. So in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, it says that Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. In two seemingly simple statements, Jesus summarizes the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses in Exodus that are the basis for all of the 600-some Jewish laws that the people had been following. And he states so clearly what the most important thing that his people do is. It's to love. In this simple two, three-verse statement, Jesus not only answers the question without entrapping himself, but gives the greatest command to set the foundation of what his people are about. In fact, later in another instance, Jesus tells his disciple a similar command in John 13 when he is preparing them for his eventual death and leaving and they'll have to continue on without him. He tells them this, by this, by your love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says that love is the most important thing that his people do. The first command is to love the Lord and at the church, I think we do a pretty good job of addressing this and talking about it and making it a priority And the second is to love your neighbor. And I also think we do a fairly decent job of addressing this one as well. But if you notice, there was actually a prerequisite to loving others. It's to love yourself. Even though it's written in what seems like reverse order to us, the second command that Jesus gives is to love yourself so that you can love others. Before we can ever truly reflect the love of God to others, we have to first accept it and receive it for ourselves and love ourselves in the midst of it. It's logical, it makes sense. You can't give something away if you don't own it. I can't offer to give you a ride home after Oasis tonight if I don't have a car. I can't invite you over to my house to have dinner if there's no food in my kitchen. You have to possess something first before you can give it away. And so this concept, this conversation of self-love, it's not just a cultural phenomenon. It isn't just a a generational trend that's going to come and go. It's not a secular concept. It's a command of God. It's important. And so we as Christians, we need to take it seriously and we need to understand that God desires for us to love ourselves and we have to learn how to do that well. Because God has commanded us to love ourselves so that, not just because of the so so that, love ourselves and in that we're able to love other people. And so tonight I want to highlight three key ways that I think that we can begin to love ourselves. Those are going to be to love who you were, to love who you are right now, and to love who you will become. And I think that this starts with recognizing that you were created by God. 
God created you in Genesis 1 as God is creating all that exists. He makes all these amazing and, and wonderful things and he says, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then he gets to the end of it and in chapter 1, 26 through 27, it says that God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image in the image of God, he created them. And if you read on, it says he looked at them and he said, this is very good. God created you. He created you with purpose and intentionality. Nothing was done by accident. And so you have inerrant value and worth simply because you were created by God and you carry his image. Nothing can change that and nothing can take that away. So loving yourself starts with recognizing where you came from and how you were made. But we know what happened after creation. We know the story of Adam Eve. We know that sin entered into our world and that each and every single one of us has a sin nature that causes us to be flawed and to sin. And even though that exists, your value and your worth are still there because you are created by God, but you, your sin has marred you. And so this is why we needed a savior and a redeemer. So not only is our God our creator, but he is our redeemer. And the first way that we can love ourselves is to love who we were. To recognize that God created you, but then God is also your redeemer. Through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, he has redeemed you. He took on the punishment of your sins and has forgiven you for them. He holds nothing against you. If you accept him as your savior and set him as Lord of your life, you are forgiven, you are redeemed. And so loving who you were recognizes that God knows and sees that person. God knows all the sins that you have committed. He knows the ways that you have hurt yourself and others. He knows all the things that have been done to you that have caused you pain and you were hurt and have made you who you are. And he is willing to forgive all of that and redeem all of that if you choose to accept him as your savior and your redeemer. So loving who you were recognizes that you are forgiven and you can forgive yourself. Forgiving yourself is how you begin to love who you were. Now it's important to know in this discussion that loving who you were doesn't just accept or diminish the things in your past. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, it recognizes that God has forgiven and redeemed those things. So I do not accept the sin that I have committed in my past. I do not accept and diminish the ways that I have hurt the people in my life through the things that I have said. I do not accept the ways that I have defiled my body and dishonored God with the way that I live my life. I do not diminish the ways that specific people in my life have caused me deep hurt and deep pain that have made me who I am. I don't accept those, I don't diminish those, but instead I recognize that if the creator of all things, the God almighty, the powerful, worthy of praise God can love me, can love you, despite all of the brokenness and the flaws that you carry, if he can forgive you in all the ways that you've sinned and hurt him, you can forgive and love yourself too. With God, there should be no shame. There should be no self-hatred for that person that you were because you are forgiven in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. And so you can love who you were, recognizing that you are no longer that person. But then from there, you also need to begin to love who you are. 
And that requires that you have patience with yourself. Because God has created you, but then he redeemed you, and he has made you a new creation where you are now. He has brought you out of the old life that you lived, and he has made you new. And so loving yourself right now means loving exactly who you are right now. Not who you want to be, not what other people expect of you or respond to that you do, not who someone else is, but who you are. And that requires that you recognize that you are a multifaceted person. You have good days and bad days. You have strengths and weaknesses. There is beauty and there is ugly and all of that makes you who you are. I am Jaina. Some days I wake up feeling joyful. Some days I don't wanna get out of bed. I love that I am strong and independent but I don't really like that I can be really prone to isolating myself from people. I love how I like to work hard and make things work to the best way that they can, but I don't like that I could be a perfectionist and really critical of myself and get too caught up. But all of those things make me who I am. And so all of the things that I like, that I don't like, I have to learn to love. Because we can't, we can't just confuse self-love with only ever speaking positively of ourselves or only ever sharing the good of who we are with others. But we have to be willing to recognize that there's a lot to who we are. We're multifaceted people and we have to be real with that with ourselves and real with that with others. And so loving who we are recognizes all that we are and it shares that with others around us. But wait, you've been created, you have been redeemed, you are a new creation and you are still being redeemed. You're not who you were, but you are not yet who you will become, and the person that you are right now is continually changing and growing and learning and always being formed more into the image of Christ. God is always working things out in us. And so loving who you are right now, it's not a tolerance or a blind acceptance of ourselves. It's not an excuse to stay where we are, I don't just get to claim to be a perfectionist and allow myself to be critical and hurtful to other people. I don't get to blindly accept the sins that I continue to fall into and write them off as not important or the things that God has called me out of to just continue to do those things. Instead, I have to love where I am right now and be willing to say, I'm still being transformed. I have to be willing to have patience with myself in the process forgiving who I was, persevering with grace where I am right now, continually being transformed by God because he has more in store for me. I'm not who I was, but I am not yet who I will become. And there is beauty and there is value in who I am right now with the understanding that I need patience to continue to be who God desires me to be. So speaking of who you are not yet, who you are not yet, who you will become. The third way that we love ourselves is to love who we are becoming. And that requires that we remain faithful to ourselves and to God. Because God is still creating in you. You will be a final masterpiece, as scripture tells us. We will experience a completion, a perfect, a wholeness that God has desired and designed us for. But it's not going to be until the final resurrection. And so while we live here in this earthly form, God has more redemption ahead for us. We are always becoming. I hope you caught the pattern. 
You were created and redeemed. You were created and redeemed. You are created and redeemed. God is always doing that work. And so we have to desire the person that we will will become, that we are becoming. We have to love that person and want to be that person because if we try to wait until we reach that final form that God has for us that's perfect and whole and nothing is wrong, we will spend our whole life waiting and failing to love the person that God has created us and the ways that he desires for us to love ourselves. We have to love ourselves before we get to that final place. Love ourselves in the process of pursuing that. Love who you were, love who you are right now, and love and desire for the person that you are becoming. That is the self-love that God desires for us. And we have to learn to balance all three of these, because they're all important and they all play into each other. If you have love for who you are right now and you love who you will become, but you have no love for who you were, there can never be complete forgiveness in your life. If you haven't recognized the forgiveness that God has shown you and you can't forgive yourself, you will never be able to truly forgive others. And the second commandment is to love your neighbors as you love yourself. Our neighbors are supposed to get the overflow of the love that we have for ourselves. And so we cannot reflect the love of God to others if we've not accepted it and allowed it to change us. And so in that, both our neighbors and ourselves miss out on the love that God wants to have for us. But if you have love for who you were and love for who you are right now, but you don't have love for who you will be in the future, you will settle for the person that you are right now and there will be no growth. We're not meant to be stagnant people. We're always meant to be growing and learning and changing as God continually forms us to his image, that creation and redemption and creation and redemption. And if you don't desire, love the person that you will become, you cut off the potential of, God wants, of what God wants to do in you and through you. Lastly, if you love who you were, and you love who you will become, but you do not love who you are right now, you will have no peace. If you can't see how God has brought you out of where you were, out of who you were, to where you are right now, you'll have no way of becoming the person he wants you to be because who you are right now is the preview of that person. And it might not be easy to love yourself right now. I know some of you are really struggling with that here in this room. There are things about yourself that God is still working out that you are frustrated by and you want to be rid of that thing. There are ways that you're trying to grow and be better and you are mad and angry with yourself because you just can't seem to get it right. But you have to love yourself in the midst of all of that. Because if you can't love yourself now, there will be no peace in your life You'll never be able to desire the person that God wants you to be, recognizing what was in the past and being okay with where you are right now, desiring for more. Each of these are crucial to how we love ourselves. As we finish up tonight, I want to go back to Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40 again and read it. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That final statement about the great commandment, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. 
That's how Jesus answered their question without entrapping himself. He says, everything else hangs on this. Everything rests on our love for God, our love for ourselves, and our love for others. And we can't do anything else that God asks or commands of us if we do not love ourselves. You will never be able to step in the fullness of life that God has for you if you do not love yourself. You will never be able to follow his will and his way as he calls you deeper into it if you do not love yourself. It all hangs on these two commandments to love. But here's the good news. I believe so strongly that we can have the boldness to love who we are, to love ourselves because we know the one who created us. We know the one who created us. We know the one who saved us. We know the one who knows us beyond all of our capacity to know ourselves. We know the one who is always creating and redeeming and creating and redeeming and creating and redeeming within us, who loves us so deeply that he never leaves us behind. And if you need to be reminded of who that God is, or you need to be reminded of who you are in relationship to him, go back and listen to that series, God is you are, that we did earlier this semester. Or find that card we handed out that lists verse after verse of who God is and who you are. And be reminded that you can love yourself because there is an almighty, wonderful creator who made you intentionally and purposefully, who sent his son to this earth to redeem you, that you could have the fullness of life that he desires for you right here and right now and the promise of eternity forever. And so I hope that you leave tonight knowing that God sees who you were. He sees who you are right now and he knows who you will become. And he says, I love you. And you have to be able to look at yourself and say the exact same thing. Be able to say, I am not who I was. I am not yet who I will become. I may still be a work in progress, but he loves me and is still working on me. So I will love myself too. Everything, everything hangs on this love. Love God, love yourself, love others. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of love. That everything we do, all of who we are exists because you are a God of love. That you are intentional and purposeful. That you care about every single person sitting in this room right now. Every single person watching online, every single person that's not even connected or engaged with us here in this place, you love and you care for and you are continually calling each of us deeper into relationship with you, to know you more, to be able to recognize how you have redeemed us and created us and saved us from who we were, that you are still alive and working in who we are right now, that you know who we will become and that you are working on us in the process and we can love ourselves in every single stage of that because you do because you are the God of love so I pray that you would remind us of that when it's hard to love the person we see in the mirror when it's hard to go through another week and see all the ways that we've failed all the ways that you've challenged us and we've let you down, all the ways that we've hurt other people, all the ways that we've not cared about and loved ourselves, God, remind us that first and foremost, you love us. And if you can love us, we can learn to love ourselves.
So God, I pray your blessing over the rest of our time of worship. Continue to reveal yourself to us where you're already stirring hearts. God, would you give peace and comfort and give us the boldness to love ourselves, to take that command seriously, to honor you with the love that we show ourselves. You are the God of love and we pray in confidence that we are able to do all of these things because of who you are and because you live and work and move within us. So we pray all of these things in your name. Amen.